Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Today on the Ether, osmosis updates from the lab, exploring ecosystems. Today, exploring avalanche, or as the natives pronounce it, avalanche. Let's take a listen. There we go. There we go. All right. So Luigi's here. Uh, we've got Landslide coming in as a guest speaker as well. Um, so the order today, we're going to kind of hop in with Sunny giving some quick updates from the Osmosis side, and then we'll hop right in and get going with the uh, AVAX community and Luigi and Nathan. All right, Sunny, take it away so we can get to the uh, the fun engagement. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so for anyone who's new to the space, in case there's uh, new folks from the Avalanche community, we usually start these. These are these are updates from the lab where we do these like bi-weekly uh, Twitter-based spaces just to let everyone know what's going on in uh, Osmosis ecosystem and just what the dev team has been working on. So um, we'll keep this one short for this time so we can jump into the fun stuff like Aaron mentioned. Uh, obviously, the biggest news of the week is the Mars protocol has launched, which is you know the lending protocol, the borrow-lend protocol on Osmosis. Um, it's uh you know the stage of many things launching yeah their token launched uh it is currently i think the third highest volume pool on osmosis uh so obviously a lot of interest there and we have um you know the their actual lending protocol also launched same same week as well and so uh you can access it through mars.osmosis.zone which is a uh community hosted front end that's been uh, spun up on Akash network. Uh, and so you can check, uh, access it there, um, as well as on Mar uh, Delphi's deployment at marsprotocol.io. Uh, and so don't try to access it just now because there were uh, deposit caps set at uh, for the launch of the protocol for safety reasons. You know, we don't want, um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars being deployed into a contract that's brand new. So, but those deposit caps were hit in, I think, less than three hours. So there is a governance proposal right now to increase those deposit caps uh, on, on Mars. So yeah, if you have some Mars tokens, feel free to uh, vote for increasing the deposit caps. Uh, obviously, we'll uh, discuss a lot more about this, uh, the Mars launch tomorrow with our on our Twitter spaces with uh, Delphi Labs uh, and Jose from Mars. Um, other interesting ecosystem news, uh, the much long awaited stream swap, which is uh, for, a reminder is the new name for LVP 2.0 is currently undergoing audit. Uh, so once that is ready, we'll, you know, hopefully we'll start to see more protocols start using that as they're um, in place of the current LVPs. I think it, it's a much better design. So uh, huge thanks to the 
Omniflix and Deus Labs team for sort of taking it over. You know, it was originally started as an in-house product by the, you know, Osmosis Labs, but uh, we kind of uh, let gave it up, gave you know, shared our design and mechanism with uh, ecosystem members who kind of took it forward and have built it as a new project. So uh, excited for that to come uh, pretty soon. Um, the other ecosystem project worth mentioning is Autonomy that they're gearing up for launch. So a uh, reminder, Autonomy is a automation protocol that allows people to place limit orders and stop orders on the decks. So, you know, limit orders, um, you know, pretty simple stuff. You know, the limit orders are you want to be able to, like, sell for a price that's higher than what it is right now or buy for a price that's lower than what it is right now. Obviously, in the AMMs, as is today, you can't place limit orders. So Autonomy sort of lets you do this, where you submit your limit order to Autonomy, and they have off-chain bots that are determining, you know, trying, simulating when it's possible to execute your trade and, and sending it when it is. Um, stop orders are the opposite, obviously, where you want to sell if the spot price or TWAP price hits a price lower than it is currently and then the same in the other direction you want to buy if it hits a price certain target price above what it is so um yeah autonomy you know hopefully autonomy will just bring a lot more features and power to the power to different users and so uh yeah excited for what what, what they have gear, gearing up uh i think they should be planning on putting their governance proposal to deploy their contracts uh within the next week or so assuming everything uh, goes well. Um, on the dev team side, you know, a couple of interesting uh, some up updates on the main uh, initiatives that we're working on. So the concentrated liquidity uh, code side from the actual main architecture is approaching feature completion. Uh, there's still some minor work left to be done with like uh, fees and incentives, especially how to do migrate, how to enable seamless migration of uh, liquidity from the, you know, current pools into concentrated liquidity pools. Uh, but you know, it at least from the actual core functionality of concentrated liquidity, the what's in the master branch of the GitHub repo is basically almost ready for integrators to start playing with it. And so, you know, we've had calls with a number of integrators in the past like couple of weeks. Um, Astroport is building uh, liquidity vaults on top of concentrated liquidity. There's a couple other projects doing similar stuff as well. So yeah, if you are interested in building a product on top of Osmosis's concentrated liquidity pools, reach out so we can sort of give you a bit of a walkthrough of the, the code that you can start playing around with. Um, uh, you know, we are cross-chain swaps, like, uh, Nicholas Lara from our team got a chance to give us a demo of it a couple of days ago. Currently it's all done by a CLI. So, you know, the, we're, we're the, uh, Osmosis grant program is working on, uh, having, there's a grantee that's like in the works of like building a UI for these outposts, but we were able to see a demo of basically swapping Juno that's on the Juno chain for Osmo on the Juno chain, all in a single transaction. So he made one transaction and it did the IBC swap and IBC back all in um, 
one transaction on, on the test nets. Uh, and so, yeah, really, uh, you know, excited that like this will enable osmosis to the outpost to sort of allow all the chains and the Cosmos ecosystem to tap into osmosis liquidity. Um, yeah. Other other uh, notable stuff, the transmuter contract is live on testnet if anyone wants to start playing with that. So the transmuter contract is basically a contract that allows people to, allows anyone to provide one directional, no slippage, no fee uh, swaps. And the, the primary use case for this uh, in, for now is enabling uh, people to migrate uh, the current Axlar bridged USDC into Cosmos native USDC once that's ready. So, you know, people can basically anyone, any uh, entity uh, can fill, liquidity provider can fill the transmuter up with a lot of Cosmos USDC and it will allow anyone to trade their Ethereum USDC for Cosmos USDC one to one, no slippage, no fees. Uh, and obviously the liquidity provider ends up accruing more and more ethereum usdc but what they could do is they could bridge it back to ethereum use a circle account to refill it um and uh to turn it back into cosmos usdc and then refill it so you know currently uh obviously circle has plans of en enabling more people to be able to convert between different types of usdc uh they're working with like the axlar team on that uh, and a number of other bridge protocols on, on enabling that. But for now, you do need a Circle account uh, to do that. So this transmuter is basically a way of allowing uh, users on Osmosis and Cosmos more, more widely to be able to do this like one-to-one -one swap. So, you know, Ross also in, works with the DYDX team about enabling, you know, when DYDX launches their Cosmos chain, obviously everyone on DYDX right now is using ETH USDC, but they on their new chain they want to be using Cosmos USDC, and so uh, part of their like migration workflow is going to be using this Osmosis transmuter to uh, convert from Ethereum to Cosmos USDC. So yeah, excited for that. Um, last one big update was uh, we're working on, which is kind of actually relevant to the discussion today is we're working on the unwrap uh, asset deposits for uh, via Axelar. So today on the Osmosis front end, you know, to deposit uh, AVAX, for example, you actually have to deposit wrapped AVAX, which is, uh, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but it's slightly annoying UX, especially if you, you know, you have to remember to not convert all of it because so you need to keep some to pay your gas fees on Avalanche or, and so, uh, with this, so if you go on satellite today, which is Axelar's front end, you can actually deposit, uh, you know, unwrapped AVEX, and it shows up the same way on Osmosis, whether you deposited wrapped AVEX or unwrapped. It does the, it shows up the same way on the Osmosis side. But we're just adding this to the Osmosis front end, so then now users will have the ability to choose: Hey, do you want to deposit unwrapped or wrapped AVEX? Uh, same thing will go with all EVM assets, whether it's ETH or WETH or Matic or Wmatic, uh, so yeah, so that will basically just. Uh, I know definitely for me it will make the UX of uh, bridging from EVM chains much much easier. Um, so yeah, I think those are some of the main uh, points uh, that we want. You know, rapid fire uh, updates from the lab today this week. Awesome! Thanks for those updates, Sunny. Uh, I think we can hop in with uh, 
Luigi and get to Nathan as well. Um, so, Sonny, why don't you uh, tell us about the Cosmos history with Avalanche a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, you know, Cosmos actually has like a little fun history with Avalanche that maybe people don't uh, don't know about, which is uh, Jay, who is uh, one of the co-founders of Cosmos, was actually a student of Goon, uh, I mean, Goon, sorry, who is one of the co-founders of Avalanche. And so, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, Goon taught Jay about distributed systems uh, when he was a student at Cornell. And so I guess a lot of, you know, maybe that's a reason, as you'll you'll probably realize through the course of the discussion today, that there's a lot of design similarities and architectural similarities between Cosmos and Avalanche. And so it's an interesting thing to keep in mind that, hey, he's actually came from the same um, intellectual ancestry, I would say. What about your uh, interactions with Eamon? Uh, yeah, I've had a fun interaction as well where, uh, you know, I, I, so, you know, Goon showed me the, you know, avalanche, um, protocol, like back when, before it was public, you know, he just had the white paper from team rocket and we were at this, I think we were at a dinner somewhere and, you know, he was explaining to me this consensus protocol and I was just like mind blown. And I was like, wait a second, isn't this like IOTA, but like better and fix and he's like yeah, yeah yeah but this is how it fixes it and like so i don't know i i actually have always found the avalanche consensus protocol like one of the most exciting things um i one day i if if i wasn't working on osmosis i, I i've told you in this where like i want i would my passion research project would be figuring out how to create a web of trust version of avalanche consensus like currently avalanche consensus is based off of like a proof of stake model uh and, but I would, which is like, and it, this like cross chain, cross subnet communication relies on like a hub and spoke model with the P chain. Uh, I would really love to figure out a um, almost a mesh web of trust model of how to build like uh, avalanche cross chain communication and like consensus protocols. But you know, that's a much farther down the road uh, thing. Um, Goon also did once, I was sitting on a plane with him once and he, uh, uh, you know, he, I, so I, I dropped out of school to work on Cosmos and he was like, hey, you're going to regret that, you know, keep in mind, he is a university professor. So he, he was like, hey, you're going to regret that at some point. And when you do, let me know and I'll, uh, I'll get you into Cornell grad school or something. And so that definitely made my mom feel better about uh, me dropping out. You think you'll ever take that offer up? uh maybe one day maybe maybe when i'm uh tired of other stuff i don't want to go back to school <laughs> all right i think we've uh, heard enough of you here <laughs> luigi why don't you hop in um speaking of you know everything sunny was just talking on can you tell us about the architecture how it's uh um you know structured how's it a little different from any uh, another generic geth fork <laughs> uh yeah very very loaded question there i'd say um but yeah, nice to be here, and and, and thank you for the story, Sonny. That's uh, that brought a, a lot of smiles to my face. I actually remember when I met Jake Juan a long time ago. Uh, we were at some like one of those like Wall Street crypto events in New York City in like 2016 or 17, and uh, he was like explaining to me the whole idea of Cosmos, and I was just mind blown at the time. So 
another story there. But in terms of Avalanche, right, like I think a lot of people here who who know Cosmos will get architecturally like, you know, I, I usually explain it like this, right? Like uh, Avalanche sits in between Polkadot and Cosmos, I think, in a lot of ways, if we want to simplify it. Uh, you know, it has this, this notion of subnets, which are, I think, a little bit low level, a little bit more low level of a concept than other networks, uh, because all a subnet really is, is a collection of validators that go and validate something. Now, that thing can be one chain, it can be multiple chains. Uh, within the same subnet. And I think that's a distinction that a lot of people don't really um, uh, know. But, you know, so for example, you could have five validators uh, go validate uh, a subnet, which could comprise of one chain, uh, five chains, 10 chains with different virtual machines inside of them. Uh, so that's like just a very different notion, I think, than uh, than other networks out there. But at a high level, uh, Avalanche has the primary network, which consists of the C chain, which is the EVM compatible chain. Uh, it consists of the X chain, which is a DAG-like structure, UTXO based, and then it consists of the P chain, which is a um, which is a chain that stores the state of validators across the network. Uh, that primary network sort of is like some membership model, whereby uh, all validators must validate the primary network, must stake two thousand ABOX. And once you validate the primary network, you can now validate any subnet uh, that you'd like. So that's kind of like, I think a, a major difference between Avalanche and Cosmos in a lot of ways. Um, architecturally, there's also the difference in the consensus that Sunny was alluding to. So Avalanche consensus uses the subsampling method that you can read about in the white paper. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's some really cool visuals to look up from Ted Yin um that that kind of explains uh sort of the algorithm and what it enables is super fast finality this is a probabilistic model uh and uh you're not really sacrificing a ton of decentralization so for example like the primary network on avalanche has about uh i think 1300 validators right now and those are true validators uh with still you know sub-second finality depending on you know what you're trying to do so uh, we, we, we think that that can grow, you know, to tens of thousands and even more validators. And, you know, I think over time, we'll probably see some more adoption of this type of consensus model. Um, just, just one other thing I think worth mentioning is that, you know, with respect to subnets, uh, we recently released a Rust SDK. Uh, so developers can play around with Rust-based subnets. Um, they can also write their own virtual machines. We're seeing some really interesting uh, uh, experimentation on that level. So, uh, you know, like whether or not you're writing essential limit order book exchange and you want to, you know, do some 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 pure programming directly in the VM, that's of interest to developers. We're also seeing uh, developers play with EVM-based subnets. So we have a subnet EVM SDK, and a lot of developers are playing with pre-compiles uh, for certain functionalities directly in the virtual machine. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that as well. And, you know, I think one thing that is tying everything together in the Avalanche uh, network is Avalanche Warp Messaging, AWM, which is recently announced. I think, I think it was announced the week of Christmas, uh, which is interesting. Um, but uh, effectively what this does is it allows for subnets to talk to each other via arbitrary messaging, similar to something like an IBC. I think it obviously has different um, 
uh, you know, different, different, it does this in a different way, right? Uh, because the P chain stores the state of all validators, uh, validators don't need to necessarily have to do this on their own. Um, so that's sort of a difference as well. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a, a brief overview. Awesome. Thanks for uh, providing that. Sunny, can you uh, provide us some of your thoughts on the things that Luigi touched on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think like, like Luigi mentioned, like a lot of the Cosmos architecture, very similar, uh, like this idea of like, you know, subnets of, you know, building these like almost like sort of ch sub chains, right? Uh, that are able to communicate with each other. Very similar to the idea of like Cosmos zones or chains, however you want to call it. Um, the and then you know the SDK, like you know multiple different types of SDKs to build subnets in. Very similar idea. So like in Cosmos, we have like you know the biggest, most popular one is the Cosmos SDK, which is like a Go based uh, SDK for writing chains. Which I I believe Go is like the primary language for uh avalanche subnets as well yeah. but uh that's awesome to hear that there's like a rust sdk now as well in, in in cosmos land um most of the rust development uh like to scratch people's rust itch uh which i have <laughs> recently become rust pilled um, and that's the internet at the hotel going bad <laughs> no no sorry i got a spam call and cut off the thing um yeah so you know i, I recently got rust filled getting like 50 of those a I day know, it's been crazy it's spam like, call it's been, i feel like it's getting worse over time someone yeah. docks your number yeah um but yeah so the yeah but you know so most of the rust itch in in cosmos land is actually mostly done via is like addressed via the cosm wasm smart contracting uh system which is Instead of being an alternative SDK to the Cosmos SDK, what it is is it's actually written as a module in the Cosmos SDK that you can write, you know, application. It's it's a VM built on the Cosmos SDK, um, and so you can write like Rust-based applications. And because of that, it's actually you can write both Go code and Rust code in the same blockchain which is kind of like you know for example in, in osmosis like the the main dex is all in go while the mars protocol which just launched is is a rust smart contract um so yeah that's kind of like i guess one thing but there are other sdks as well you know like nomic is building it they have orga which is a rust sdk and like the penumbra team is also building in rust and um i think most I, there used to be other SDKs back in the day as well, but I think like most people have sort of settled on either Go or Rust as like the primary development languages for like Cosmos chains. Um, I guess the other big difference is that like uh, obviously in Cosmos, every chain is so we use this term called fully sovereign, but what it I can like it's a little bit of a vague term. It, I think it's maybe worth explaining what that means. Um, unlike, you know, I, one difference with Avalanche is that in order for a to run a subnet, you need um, Avax stakers who are staking on the P chain to also be running. You know, be the the validators of your subnet, which is 
more similar to like the polka dot model of doing things. Meanwhile, in Cosmos, it's more of a, you know, every chain has it's by default that is it has its own staking token and own validator set. And then we have options for uh, like doing shared security systems on top of that. So, you know, our team is helping develop mesh security, which is one model of doing this. Uh, the Atom chain is providing, is building another one called Interchain Security, which is like, you know, you just use the Cosmos Hubs validator set instead of needing a sovereign one. And it's a little, so, and, and so, yeah, that it's kind of a, this difference between this, like, you know, I, I think that was actually a really good way of putting it, where like the Avalanche architecture is somewhere in between Cosmos and Polkadot architecture. And Polkadot's architecture, it's like, very hub and spoke almost like top down where it's like the polka dot relay chain is the one that like assigns validators to your chain and tells you which ones you have to you have to use um while an avalanche you know the relay chain the p chain doesn't actually do that it like it's up to individual validators whether they want to um you know validate specific subnets or not while in cosmos it's like you know, even farther down. And, and this kind of also affects like the uh, interchain messaging architecture as well. So I would I actually say that the AWM M and yeah. <laughs> what does the wart stand for? What, or what does a wart mean? It's fucking cool. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it went down. I don't think it's an acronym of anything. It's got to be an inside joke. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely an inside joke, mm-hmm. but that's probably Patrick's story. To I tell. see, I see. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so I, I think AWM is honestly a little bit more similar to XCMP on Polkadot because it's really designed for cross-chain communication between Avalanche subnets. Same thing with like how Polkadot's like XCMP is really designed for between parachains because the messaging protocol relies on everyone sort of all the validators also being part of this p chain or relay chain and all the interchain data is stored in the uh all the cross-chain messaging relies on going through this like p chain uh data structure while in with while ibc is meant to be more for like fully sovereign chains to talk to each other because all this ibc is fully uh self-authenticating which means that any two chains can start talking to each other and they're running direct light clients for each other without needing to rely on any third chain for um you know proofs of correctness or validity uh and so that i i guess that's like the one main difference and so you know i think the land side people will talk about this later a little bit down the road of how they're actually working to bring IBC to Avalanche. So then you can have like, so so um, we can use like uh, AWM as like in, like subnet to subnet communication, which is actually, I think the AWM architecture is actually better designed for subnet to subnet communication than something like IBC. But then we can use IBC to uh, connect uh, Avalanche to like other Cosmos chains. All right, so let's yeah, ask think- Luigi. Oh, go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to ask you, which one's better? 
And obviously you're going to, you know, go one way. So let's just ask if you could change one thing about Cosmos uh, and you're not speaking for anyone else, just yourself, what would it be? Oh boy. Um, so I don't know which one's better. I think they, I think they serve different, different models uh, completely. Right. Because like, I think Sonny put it really, really eloquently, like subnet to subnet, uh, you know, if you were designing something like IBC, it wouldn't really be optimal, um, you know, but because we have this P-chain architecture, AWM just fits in really nicely and gives, and because the validators have some shared notion of each other, you know, the BLS signatures work really nicely for this. Um, but, you know, I think if, if I had to change something with Cosmos, and I think this is kind of happening on its own, but, you know, I, I do think like uh, a shared set uh, something that 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 anchors the the uh, the sovereign chains together is important over time. Otherwise, like to me, it becomes much more of just an SDK rather than a network, uh, a cohesive network. You know that is tied to each other in some unique way. Uh, and I do think there's like very interesting uh, virtuous cycles and uh, components that start to emerge when you have something that ties everything together. So. Whether that being like what what's trying to be uh, what the uh, interchain staking is trying to do, uh, whether it be like the way Avalanche sort of ties this membership type model with uh, needing to stake Avax uh, for to be a validator in general, um, I think that there there is like some benefits that there's also drawbacks. Um, you know, I think we we've seen a lot of people play with subnets, especially on testnet, and like they like to use it as an experiment. But, you know, ideally, if you really don't have like some massive go to market plan, you know, aren't ready for production, you know, maybe getting started with the Cosmos SDK might be the right thing. You don't need to stake, you know, you don't need to have to deal with this, uh, this 2000 Outbox component, which is interesting. Um, and so I think there's just a trade off there. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I think Cosmos has gotten a lot of things right. Uh, I think. We obviously have a very strong feeling about the consensus. Um, is one of the reasons, you know, I, I came to Avalanche in particular. I was super enamored by it. And I think that that's generally speaking just an advancement. But it would be more difficult to do to do like something like IBC with the way Avalanche consensus is designed. So that, that would be interesting. And I think this is what Sonny was alluding to initially. Uh, that would be an interesting uh, problem to, uh, to tackle. Uh, so I think, you know, that, that I would probably change the consensus if I could, because I think it would enable you to sort of have this more cohesive network because the validator accounts would be able to grow past the, you know, what, what Tendermint doesn't allow, like 150 or whatever it is. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, actually, about like, sure, you know, about like, Tendermint versus Avalanche, or like BFT, classical yeah. BFT protocols versus Avalanche. Uh, I, I obviously think Tendermint definitely has room for improvement. I think like, you know, moving towards like hot stuff or like Narwhal, Narwhal style stuff is probably the right, right. You know, that's like the right evolution of Tendermint or <laughs> uh, comic BFT, I guess it's called now. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think though, but my one thing is I do one one benefit I think that you do get from classical BFT is you can so for osmosis we've been working on this thing for called threshold decryption for a long time which is a way of making like private mempools 
and it relies on your fixed your known validator set being able to like be the threshold decryptors of uh of the of the transaction so and this allows you to make it so like decrypting of transactions in a block happens atomically with uh block production and that's been like i think that's been you know before starting osmosis we were like really thinking about like we spent a lot of time thinking about like hey is this is the is the cause sdk the right stack to be building on um and we came to the conclusion that threshold decryption is a valuable enough feature that it makes it worth it so yeah, i think that's a good point can you uh, TLDR the Comet BFT uh, renaming for the audience? Uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, maybe out of the loop there. Oh yeah, I mean this is just, uh, you know, continuation of long Cosmos drama stuff. But uh, basically, you know, uh, ten the the trademark on the name Tendermint is owned by the company All in Bits, which is led by Jay Kwan at the moment. Um, and you know, he just he asked. The uh, you know the 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 version of the Tendermint protocol that most people are using is currently maintained by a company called Informal, uh, which is Ethan Buckman's company, uh, and he asked them to uh, change the name uh, to something else. It's not this you know it's not like a something like it was thrown on uh, us. It was something that you know he's been requesting for almost a year at this point actually. So uh, yeah, so it it, it just you know. I think a lot of people were like a little bit upset about it. Like, hey, like, why do we have to change the name? But I, I can kind of see it from Jay's perspective as well, where, you know, he was the inventor of the Tendermint Consensus Protocol. And, you know, he just wants to, he's like, it's all open source code. And he, he's happy for people to maintain, like, you know, the the version of it that's being used in most causes chains. He just asks them to, like, use a different name to differentiate it in case, let's say, like, you know, informal's version they make some protocol change that like changes how it works and like ends up breaking it you know it's like well his point is like well the tendermint that i designed and built isn't the one that broke it's this other thing that broke and i think that's reasonable it's, i think it actually opens the it's nice because having comet bft as like the name of the implementation now allows us to move away evolve past just the tendermint consensus protocol right we can move towards things like narwhal tusk or uh i don't know maybe it even starts to involve more avalanche style um properties into the consensus protocol i remember like one thing that i found really interesting i don't know what ended up happening to it but like i remember the bitcoin cash uh dev team was like working on using avalanche consensus to <laughs> like to like do like mempool ordering so like for for getting some like priority on like zero conf transactions so i don't know if that's the right design or not but it, it, it's an interesting idea of like you know the avalanche design can just be used for so many things it's a good it's a cool algorithm uh is there is there drama in the cosmos ecosystem oh yeah uh, <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> drama there's no beating around that much <laughs> so I remember uh, Jay Kwan told me the story of how he came up with the name Tenderman, which was uh, basically brute forcing some internet search. I don't know if he tells that story very often, but I always thought that was really funny. 
All right, uh, Sony, thanks for explaining Comet BFT. I think we should uh, talk about projects now. So Luigi, since we kind of skipped on this earlier, uh, tell us about what you do, your role, and how you work with these projects that are building in Avalanche. Sure. So um, since I joined, uh, my role has really been focused primarily on DeFi, um, but has naturally spanned into really a lot of different verticals. And most recently, I'm also heading up our uh, DevRel efforts uh, here at Avalanche. But how I work with projects is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, we, you know, we we do general BD efforts as it relates to like, you know, uh, talking to projects and other chains, and, and and talking through like what they've learned and sort of you know how we might be able to extrapolate and and plan for that on our chain. We talk with native teams who are building on Avalanche. I think we take a very proactive approach to working with teams. Like that's sort of been something that you know I particularly pride myself on. So uh, you know we have native. Uh, DeFi applications on Avalanche, like you guys probably know of Trader Joe, uh, who recently launched their liquidity book, uh, concentrated liquidity Dex, which is something of a rival to UniV3. Uh, we also have something like Platypus, which is a, a stable swap and uses an interesting model for uh, for single sided uh, liquidity provision. Um, you know, we have a bunch of different applications like that, and and other ones building now, like Dex a lot recently launched a central limit order book uh, exchange in a subnet which is pretty interesting. Uh, so, you know, our approach has really been like, how do we work with these teams super closely? Uh, how do we, you know, ingrain them in the ecosystem, sort of be the uh, conduit to making introductions across other teams in the ecosystem and also to being able to elevate them. Uh, and so what does that mean? That means like, how do we help like, uh, you know, help market their projects to potential liquidity providers? How do we get them in interchange with market makers? How do we get them uh, to potentially get all their data listed on the various platforms, you know, because sometimes some of these teams are a few developers and they don't understand, you know, the aspects of going to market or don't understand like, you know, all the different items that need to be completed once you've launched your DAP. Uh, and then obviously we also spend a lot of time with institutions and enterprises. Um, you know, my background was just, you know, in, in TradFi in particular, so I traded derivatives at City. Um, and so we talked to a lot of different financial institutions about, you know, how blockchain can be, you know, a really interesting way to upgrade financial market infrastructure. Uh, you know, I think smart contracts can be useful in this sense. And it's a super 2017 theme, but it doesn't mean that it's actually not uh, a value add uh, for the technology. So I think we'll see a lot of that going forward. Uh, it's just trying to find a way to not let uh, people give up their moats which is sort of the issue, generally speaking. Yeah, thanks for uh, going into that. I think um, something our community would really kind of want to hear from you is what are the most exciting projects that are happening right now? If, if you were to send some of our community members to explore your ecosystem, where would you send them? And then what are these chicken eggs I'm reading about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to be careful because, you know, I'll probably get like 45 DMs for all the ones I didn't mention, but um, so on chicken in particular, because you specifically asked, chicken's a really cool project, man. Uh, I talked to these guys, uh, I don't know, they reached out and they're like, hey, we're making some chicken project and chicken lays eggs. And I was like, okay, sounds interesting. And, you know, we got on a call, they explained the project and basically it's like, you know, I might be dating myself a little bit, but it's kind of like Tamagotchi in some way, right? You kind of have this, 
uh, NFT, which is a chicken. Uh, and there are tokens called eggs and you feed your chickens. Oh, sorry. Your chickens lay eggs as you feed your chicken and they get bigger. So the bigger your chicken gets, the more eggs that it lays. And sort of this virtuous cycle game uh, that takes you down different paths and they're, and they're still expanding it into different components now. But like, you can kind of think of it as like a, a Tamagotchi, right? So it's an upgradable NFT. Uh, so, pretty cool community. Sorry. So on Avalanche, which one came first? The chicken or the egg? Oh, man. Uh, great question. Uh, the chicken came first. There was an NFT mint. There was like, uh, if you had the GB token or the good bridging token, you got access to a free chicken. If not, you had to buy at the mint and then you had the NFT. And then once you staked the NFT, you started to produce the eggs, which are the tokens. Um, so it, it was interesting. Um, but, you know, I think we, we have other projects that, that, you know, that are in development or in production. Like, like I would check out the Dexalot subnet. I think it's pretty cool. They use this hybrid architecture where they keep the coins on the C chain, um, but, but allow you to do the sort of the, the swapping and, and, and Dex integration uh, on the subnet. Um, there, there's no perps or anything on that. It's, it, it's spot. You know, I would also talk about like uh, various protocols, like there's Yeti Finance, which allows you to borrow against uh, sort of uh, different types of collateral. You know, if anybody's used Abracadabra or something like that. Um, there's also, uh, um, like I mentioned, Platypus and Trader Joe, which are great applications. We also have Ave, uh, Banky Curve, all, all these other applications that most people uh, have interacted with. But there's also like a lot of interesting games starting to develop. So there's DeFi Kingdom this is, has their own subnet. That's like this sort of medieval uh, game that also has this upgradable NFT component. And then we have a lot of interesting, like, I guess, very advanced games launching their own subnets too. So like Shrapnel is a AAA rated uh, game. They're super impressive on the development side and, and doing some really cool things as it relates to like bringing NFTs in, into an advanced game. Uh, so that should be launched uh, sometime this year. Pretty excited about that. And then, um, yeah, I think there's a, a bunch of other ones in development that, that, that should be announced pretty soon. Awesome. So I have a question. Sure. Like, how do you think about like, um, like projects that are like avalanche focused projects versus like, you know, cross chain ecosystem <laughs> projects. So like, I noticed that like the two biggest lending protocols on avalanche right now are Ave and Benki, right? And like, yep. obviously one Benki is like a bit, you know, started avalanche native, you know, I think I think was there before Ave uh, came, Correct. and so how do you like when you like when you think about like ecosystem growth? How do you like choose to like balance and prioritize these? It's a phenomenal question. Um, I would say, like generally speaking, uh, we hold the view that uh, competition is good. Uh, competition is good for our native projects, uh, but it's also good for uh, you know call them. In, you know, project coming from other chains. So I think it's good for uh, Banky to have to compete with an Ave. I think it's good for Trader Joe to have to compete with uh, with uh, Uni V3 uh, on Arbitrum right now. Um, I think that's like, you know, generally speaking, how these projects get better. Um, but with that said, uh, I think every chain, every ecosystem is sort of trying to understand this dynamic of, you know, 
what does it mean for a world where there's, especially, especially as it relates to the EVM, what does it mean for this world where applications are deployed on every single EVM? And like, what actually does it mean for the chain? You know, is the chain like T-Mobile, Sprint, Verizon, et cetera? Um, you know, or is it this like more different type of uh, curated experience? And so uh, ultimately, I think that like you can't gatekeep these things or uh, try try to do that in any way. And so competition is the way uh, to, to breed better results. But I think what the way the way I've thought about it deeply is that you need to make the uh, opportunity set as large as possible such that not deploying, for example, your application on the C chain, is just not an option. And so we think about this as it relates to subnets in particular. You know, if we bring subnets that have tens of millions of users uh, or, you know, uh, they need to be transacting uh, millions of tokens, but the liquidity sits on the C chain, or for example, then, yeah, you know, if you wrote an application, you want to have the ability to fight for that, that, uh, that opportunity set. And so it would be becoming on you to deploy there. So rather than trying to create reasons for them to need to stay, we want to make it such that they have to be there no matter what. So that's kind of been the approach. Got it. Yeah, I mean, that's been really interesting with like, you know, I feel like some ecosystems like lean very heavily into the EVM, uh, like, you know, obviously Ethereum itself, obviously, but like, you know, mm -hmm. Polygon spending, in my opinion, you know, <laughs> lots of engineering and research resources and trying to fit this like EVM into a zero dollar system, which <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I'm an EVM skeptic a little bit. Um, and like, meanwhile, you have like Solana and like, you know, Cosmos for the most part has been like relatively like EVM resistant, right? Like obviously now we're starting to see EVMs in Cosmos with like Evmos and Canto and uh, Kronos and stuff. So there, you know, we also have, I mean, arguably I would say the biggest chain on uh, like by activity on in Cosmos is actually probably Kronos, which isn't actually, which is, which is an EVM chain. Um, but, well, actually, uh, I don't know by activity. By TVL, yes, I think osmosis is higher by users and volume. But anyways, um, yeah. So I mean, but so it's interesting how Avalanche has taken this like sort of like go to market with EVM strategy, but then like really trying to push developers towards like the subnets. Um, how do you imagine that like you know that working for user on the user side? So like you know today people use MetaMask primarily to interact with like. C chain applications, but is MetaMask going to work for other subnets, or is there going to have? How, how do you guys think about like user UX across? You know, I mean, this is something we have to think about a bunch because um, you know the Osmosis team is like pretty you know close with the Kepler team, and like there's some we have there's quite a bit of overlap in like in some team members, and so obviously like being wallet developers, we have to spend a lot of time thinking about like. One of the beauties of Cosmos is like all this sovereignty and how customizable things are, but at the same time, that makes the life harder for these like infrastructure providers like Wallet. So, how do you guys think about that? Maybe we can help it. Yeah, Sunny. Yeah, just answer real quick. Like that's uh, that's 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 a really good question in the sense that um, we thought we think about that a lot, and it's part of the reason that we um, that's why we developed the core wallet in particular. We think cross subnet communication and UX is going to be one of the most important things. And so 
what we learned very early on, uh, I think in our experience was relying on third parties for very core and key infrastructure usually became a mistake um, when you when you're early on. Uh, they don't prioritize you. If they don't prioritize you, you know you, you, your users end up getting a subpar experience, whether it's RPCs, um, APIs, explorers, these types of things. Uh, wallet is no different. And so that's why we developed the core wallet, you know, Alba Labs in-house, and that'll support multiple uh, virtual machines. So it won't just be an EVM uh, type of wallet. And so we think that that experience will be pretty unique. But yeah, I think you're, you're, I mean, like in terms of bootstrapping with the EVM, at the end of the day, like, you know, when we, when we did that and made that decision, it, it was and still is, I think, the most prevalent smart contracting virtual machine at the moment uh and so there's just you know a, a great developer ecosystem to tap into so it's a great bootstrapping mechanism but i'll let the uh the others jump in real quick yeah go ahead nathan yeah hey guys it's just an honor to be here um sunny i've followed you since you were at the epicenter bitcoin days and and obviously uh luigi it's an honor to, to to be chatting with you as well as the head of DeFi. um just as a uh answered Sonny directly to your question about um, UI. Um, the ideal scenario is uh, that our IBC a subnet becomes um, just integrated directly with Kepler and when and and the Avalanche core wallet. So it'll be a seamless experience. Awesome. Uh, while you're up here, maybe you want to chat a little bit about what you guys are working on at Landslide? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're intro yourself as well, please. Yeah, hi, I'm 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 Nathan Windsor. I'm, I'm the co-founder of of, of uh, Landslide. Landslide is uh, like a, a Cosmos IBC enabled subnet for Avalanche. So, we you know we're, we've been talking about the two ecosystems uh, separately, um, and they they don't really communicate very well outside of like an Axelar wrap token, which just allows you to wrap the asset and bring it in. It doesn't allow any of the the brilliant work uh of cosmos zones or any of the the software stack to communicate like natively inside of avalanche so um our background is like our our, our cto worked on the early stages on on ethermint when when evmos was the artist for, previously known as ethermint um so we have a ton of experience in the tendermint stack and and when when avalanche launched it, like you know we were early adopters and, and builders and we saw that really the, the the advantage to crossing these two continents is uh is replacing tendermint consensus with avalanche so if you look at like the, if you if you've been if you've been paying attention to the ama all of the breadcrumbs have kind of been dropped right so sunny was sharing that um uh, that uh you know, replacing Narwhal and Tusk and uh, Comet BFT. This is the exact niche that we're filling here. And, you know, we're taking, if you imagine the Cosmos stack as a, as a car, right, we're, we're, we're dropping out the Tendermint engine block and we're replacing it with Avalanche. So um, instead of driving a car with like six second finality, you're driving one with sub second finality. Um, you can see this also, this effort's underway at Say Network as well. Uh, with their twin turbo consensus, but the idea here is um, to 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 maintain a, a Cosmos SDK like ninety five percent compatible out of the box with the existing IBC zones, 
So Osmosis will just have another uh, IBC uh, you know, relayer that allows people to bridge native assets into, into Avalanche and communicate like natively. Sweet. And you guys are also bringing like Cosmwasm to your subnet as well. Yes, right? sir. Yeah, that's really the only way to do it, right? Um, like, otherwise, we it would sort of look like a wrapped asset. So yeah, we're Cosm. We're we're in two sprints right now. One with Strange Love IBC and and the ICF uh, for the IBC Light Client on Avalanche, and one with uh, Cosmwasm. So what that means is like, you know developers will be able to develop like you know sunny you were saying that um you red pilled rust uh there's a scenario where we can you know build take all these uh you know python WebAssembly, and go and uh, ex like expand the wasm uh, vm through those other languages because cosmos already has those modules sweet and does that mean that once we have uh like can we deploy an osmosis outpost then on like avalanche by our land yeah, side exactly wow that's pretty awesome yeah so what so the cool thing here is that like you know if we're, if we're not uh precious about our, our our pearls here you know the the thing that that's really valuable is the cosmos sdk stack and the avalanche consensus algorithm and ibc right so if we connect those three objects uh you know in like a in, in a coherent uh secure way over ibc where we're, both ecosystems will win right i mean if you look at the tvl you know you can and squint your eyes you can you can sort of see what, what's going to start happening so speaking of your precious pearls how did you kind of come uh come to decide on on what you were building like you know these two specifically we um like when when subnets like we're you know, I, I'm a Cornell grad, so I was an early follower of, of the research uh, coming out of there and, and the, the white paper for Avalanche. So as soon as that dropped, I like obviously realized what this means, right? So that meant that like, if you look at the, the Bitcoin BTCB, which is like basically Bitcoin bridge to Avalanche, it, it's such an improvement on Bitcoin as like a, as a whole that I was, it was painfully obvious that to me that uh, that the subnet thing was the solution to the Bitcoin halvening and the uh, the uh, sort of uh, uh, technological and political uh, um, issues around Tendermint. So like at the time when we started working a year ago, Tender Terra was really huge. And we were like, okay, we know, we know there's something wrong here. You know, um, can we pull the Terra users over and so that's where we initially began because that was the sort of obvious place to start. But but since then, like obviously, um, the, the 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 golden nugget in in all of that is is the Cosmos SDK and the the Cosmos users and the zones, right? So what what we're seeing emerge in this conversation is like a, a sort of dialectic difference between uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and and Darth Vader or 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 different branches of Jedi consensus right and so who has the high ground right so right so who you know i i'm not here to sort out the uh the the canon uh, what what's important is like ibc is expanding to polka dot and near via composable finances work with uh strange love and uh, the icf so that means like 
they're all going to start communicating, right? There's an interchain future uh, for us in the heavens. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, I, so yeah, that's really cool. Uh, you mentioned like Terra. Um, so I guess like one question I have for Luigi is like, you know, there was like uh, a, a little while ago, there was plans on like having AVAX be able to be used as a collateral type for UST and that uh, obviously didn't materialize, uh, let's say. But uh, are there like, what, what are the plans of like having AVAX as an asset be like sort of used more bro broadly outside of Avalanche itself? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I think in general, like as we think about these assets in particular, I fundamentally believe uh, in their native ecosystems. So like, you know, Ethereum is more valuable on Ethereum than it is on Avalanche. Uh, it doesn't mean it can't be used. doesn't mean it can't be bridged. doesn't mean it can't be brought. I just fundamentally believe that it's more valuable uh, there. Like no different than how a Bitcoiner you know, is very reluctant to move their Bitcoin to different chains. Although so there are certain use cases and certain types of people who are cool with that. Um, with ABAX in particular, I think as the network grows and the use cases grow, I think the model is such that there's a decent amount of value accrual um, where the token just becomes pretty prominent. And if that's the case, then, um, you know, I think what we need to do a better job of is on the BD side is like sort of bridging the gap to different ecosystems. You know, you're doing that now as you guys are bringing ABAX over to Cosmos, which is really cool. Um, but we need to see more of that. I think a different ecosystem and we probably need to do a better job of bringing cosmos tokens um to the avalanche ecosystem as well right like if we think of these different chains and ecosystems as nation states or continents or whatever may have you like then you know i might be in china and want to eat mcdonald's right um i shouldn't have to travel to uh to new york to go eat it so i think we i'm pretty basic and lame uh you know uh, metaphor, but that's kind of how I think about it. I kind of liked it. Well, there, there's also <laughs> the, uh, the the value that the like it's really a network effect value, right? All of the Cosmos network effects that have taken place over the years, like should be able to be ported. Like the Sunny, you brought up the mesh uh, mesh security system rather than the P, like what you what you point out as a, a P chain. Uh, um, centralization um, and for if if you look at GoGoPool, they're doing a, um, a, a an interesting th method to bring down the the, the two thousand avox avax uh, a minimum. So I, I suspect that in the near term, that your vision of a generalized mesh network is is possible, um, and uh, and I I think what that looks like in in like a year's time is that osmosis native osmosis holders will be able to validate the osmosis like frontier inside of avalanche using native osmo if they're somehow renting the the threshold minimums from other validators does, does that make sense yeah that's all it's almost like a mesh security re but for like subnets in avalanche which sounds so it's like 
If I understand it correctly, it's like subnets on, of Avalanche would be being secured by AVAX staking, obviously, but they'd also be able to do like mesh security from like least security from, let's say, osmosis from over IBC as well. Uh, um, yeah, so the, the ISC, the uh, ICS, the interchange security, which is sort of rented from the rest of the Cosmos zones, that, that happens kind of natively on P-Chain. Uh, you're sort of renting it that way. But what you're, so the, I, what I'm proposing that the scalability thing happens by kind of like osmosis validators or Juno validators uh, renting, basically they'd have to rent their stake somehow. And, you know, a, 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 either as a derivative or some sort of rental. You know, fee, share, fee sharing agreement, right? If osmosis is bringing in all this, all this value, there's some fee sharing agreement mm -hmm. that could probably happen via either IBC relayers uh, monetization or some other creative derivative. Right. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. Um, sweet. So, Sonny, what do you think, uh, as far as the projects in our ecosystem, what are the ones that could, you know, be most compatible with going cross-chain and, like, whether any sort of mingling with Avalanche ecosystem, uh, what are the, the, the ones that are most uh, leveraged for this? Um, yeah, so, you know, they're, well, so, fun fact, I, I think one already sort of interesting cross-chain integration, uh, cross-ecosystem integration is, like, uh, Pangolin. So for uh, Pangolin, which you know is a DEX on, I think it's the second biggest DEX on Avalanche. Um, they uh, allow you to swap, like conduct their sw conduct swaps with almost any Cosmos asset into any Avalanche asset. And what they do is they route through Osmosis uh, for the Cosmos side, and then uh, route through their DEX on uh, on Avalanche for converting into any avalanche asset. So that's like pretty cool that they uh you know have integrated osmosis into their into their DAP itself. Um but there's other you know other cool things as well. Obviously I mentioned the osmosis outposts. Uh would love to get one deployed uh as a on avalanche subnets. Um another would be like something and just you know making getting AVAX being used more in the cause ecosystem. We are you know osmosis is an interchain dex right and we're trying to uh build liquidity and uh be, just be this like trading spot for any sort of cross ecosystem trading activity and so that's kind of why we have you know avac we've been spending a lot of like effort on building up liquidity for uh other ecosystem assets like you know like avax eth matic bnb um and so our avax pool is live now uh as i think uh, at least, I don't know, some of three to four hundred k of liquidity so far. Uh, but obviously, you know, looking to uh increase that further, and then you know, potentially getting maybe we can create a proposal for Apex to be used as a collateral type in Mars that will allow it to uh people can sort of margin trade Apex on Osmosis or even enable some of the stuff that was you know like Nathan was mentioning about like hey can we use like Osmo is collateral to borrow Avax to stake on on Avalanche. So I don't know. I think there's there a lot of go. cool stuff that we can start to do with Avax on um, 
in in osmosis and the causes ecosystem. Sunny, can you can you talk a little bit about? I know the avalanche heads on this uh, on this AMA won't know, aren't going to be familiar with it. Can you talk about the osmosis skip protocol and and MEV and uh, how osmosis creates a, a a secure and safe environment? Yeah, before yeah, we, yeah. Uh, Luigi does have to hop out. Okay, by the way. Sorry, he's got a yeah. So Luigi, if you have any last comments, you know, feel free, and then yeah, sorry, sorry to be the buzzkill. Um, I have to hop to to another call, but uh, this was really fun. Um, I think we should do this more, uh, and I, I probably I don't think we do enough cross pollination. So I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out and and doing this, and and looking forward to jumping on a few others with with a bunch of Cosmos people and. And, and getting the avalanche ecosystem as well. Uh, excited about it. I'm sure that they are. I've gotten a bunch of DMs during this, this space already. So thank you guys for having me and uh, look forward to, to listening to the replay of the rest that I missed. Awesome. Thanks, Luigi. Thanks, sir. Yeah, honestly, it's been great to learn about some of the, obviously I think the avalanche team has had some of the best like ecosystem development in like the crypto space. And so, just been great to learn from you guys. Um, I, like, you know, I, I think uh, Osmosis, we're trying to like take on a little bit more of that role in Cosmos, where in Cosmos, there's like obviously a sort of a lack of, um, there's not like one entity that like, you, you know, does the BD efforts for the entire Cosmos, BD and DevRel efforts for the Cosmos ecosystem. I mean, I would say arguably, you know, Terra used to do that uh, in a lot of ways, but obviously isn't, the case anymore and so you know we've been trying to step that up and like have osmosis you know we've been working spending a lot of time helping projects new cosmos projects with their go-to-market helping you know even like like, for, like dydx helping them a lot with their go-to-market um new projects launching and stuff so uh yeah great to be able to learn from 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 you guys Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, we are coming up a bit past an hour here. I think we can, you know, allow people to raise their hands and ch chime in. Any questions? Or, uh, Nathan or Sonny? I, I'd love to, yeah, learn about Skip and uh, Mev. I mean, that's a whole, you know, Talmudic discussion. I know we don't have to kick it off, but... Yeah, um, I think I can I can talk about it briefly. Uh, so yeah, you know I mentioned earlier threshold decryption. Our huge, uh, you know, I was supposed to started with this like goal of like how do we minimize, how do we eliminate harmful MEV? And by harmful MEV, we talk we mean specifically the type that is like based off of front running others, right? You're reading other people's transactions in the mempool and front running them or sandwiching them or uh, doing something of the sort. Um, so with threshold decryption, we can minimize that. Uh, but there still exists some types of MEV that aren't necessarily front running based off of reading, aren't necessarily like this privacy breach style, but like, you know, the value in being the oftentimes the first spot in the transaction. So things like uh, arbitrage, you know, if you're arbing the osmosis decks against centralized exchanges or against other DEXs even, or triggering liquidations or things like this, right? There's value in these transactions. And you're not really front running someone else's transaction. You're just trying to being the front. And so, you know, to do this, like you have like systems like flashbots and stuff in Ethereum. Um, but 
our take was like, wait, you know, instead of letting this be like out of protocol, we should actually incorporate this into the protocol, have that and, and run these sort of like top of the block auctions where in protocol, we can allow people to bid for being the first transaction in a block and have that revenue from those auctions be distributed to Osmo stakers as a whole, rather than just to validators as what as is what happens with like uh, the off-chain mechanism. So um, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of like opportunity like uh, and to be explored with like, uh, you know, in protocol, like MEV, uh, internalization mechanisms, which is what we're working with Skip on doing. So the one that Skip is starting with is not the top of the block auction, but rather uh, something called ProtoRev, where what it does is it's in protocol back running uh, transactions to like are internally. So let's say someone makes a trade against one pool, but then there's an ARB that's possible. Uh, ProtoRev basically will like do the ARB uh, within the osmosis pools and give the revenue uh, back to like the back to the protocol. So it's like a true Robin Hood scenario. Yeah, it's it, it's about uh, you know I think that there's like three sources of revenue for chains, um, or one is like application fees. Uh, which is like, you know, an osmosis case, like swap fees. Uh, but then if you're talking about that's osmosis as the DEX, but then as the L osmosis, the L1, um, it's primarily going to be like MEV and transaction fees. And our belief is transaction fees should remain as minimal as possible because, you know, that's how you ensure the best user experience. And so uh, building these in protocol systems is how you make sure they don't get captured by off-chain interest and rather the the value is shared amongst all osmo stakers got it and um sort of a, a follow-up to that is when you're trying to keep transaction fees as low as possible what's the long-term strategy i know um in avalanche warp messaging it, it's based on bls signatures and and, and so uh, warp messaging is going to sort of mirror what's happening with ibc relayer um, can you guys uh, dive into relayer fees and how you see them uh, evolving over time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there's work being done on adding fees in, like relayer fees into the IBC packets themselves where people can kind of like almost like add a tip to their IBC packet and whoever is the relayer that actually relays it, they will earn that tip. Uh, so that's like one thing that will happen. The other is, you know, ideally, what we long term we want, we do want to move towards a world where users can be relaying their own packets. So, if you're sending, you know, Adam from uh, the Cosmos Hub to Osmosis, like you could, your this should be built into the wallet. The one of the biggest hurdles in making this a reality today is that the difficulty in paying transaction fees for this so let's say you're trying to send adam from the cosmos hub to juno the problem is if you don't have any juno already it's hard for you to pay your transaction fee uh uh to submit you need to 
to relay the atom, you need to submit a transaction on Juno. And that's kind of like, you don't have any Juno yet, right? And so one of the things that, but but you can do this on osmosis right now because osmosis actually supports uh, paying transaction fees in many tokens, not just Osmo. And then what it does is it converts them all to Osmo on a regular basis and then distributes them to stakers, right? Um, we're working actually on uh, a module that can be in, imported into other Cosmos chains that they will be able to do the same thing, that they can support transaction fees in any token uh, using Osmosis TWAPs, um, and then they can swap it into their own native token. So that means like something like Juno could accept transaction fees in Atom, Osmo, USDC, uh, Stars, whatever they want, along with Juno, and then they can accrue these transaction fees and all the, accept these transaction fees and all these tokens, and then on some regular cadence, swap them all for Juno and distribute it to their stakers. Um, and so I this I think once that is there, then I think that will like unblock this like biggest hurdle towards like self relaying of uh, like user self relaying. What's the name of this uh, uh, protocol within Osmosis? Uh, I don't remember if we have a name for it yet. We should probably come up with a catchy name. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got to capitalize on the naming of a lot of these things. Yeah. Um, Will, uh, why don't you hop in? Yeah, sure. Awesome to hear the Avalanche rundown today. That's a world I'm less familiar with, but I actually have a liquid staking question. So, um, and, I'll, and I'll use Quicksilver as an example here. So in Quicksilver, which is now live on Stars and a number of other networks are are looking at bringing Quicksilver live, the Q assets uh, appreciate in value in relation to the native asset. So I'm from Regen Network. So the Regen token uh, is earning its staking fees. The Q Regen, those staking fees get bundled back into the Q Regen. And this means that there's not parity between those two asset types. Uh, one way to address this would be to have stable swap pools that use interchain queries to see what the new redemption rate is on Quicksilver, update that, update the curve on Osmosis, and that way you could use a stable swap pool without having this issue of the uh, lack of parity between these two assets. I, Sonny, I guess I'd just love to hear your thoughts of in the near term, should people just be using uh, the, the traditional pools for when they're spinning up uh, new, um, uh, you know, in this case, you know, regen, Q regen pairs? Uh, is there, what's kind of the roadmap within Osmosis look like for having specialized pool types for uh, liquid staked assets? Yeah, so I believe Stride is working on exactly this where they, so the stable swaps on Osmosis have this thing called uh, a scaling factor governor, which can basically, they, it's a address that is able to set the peg price between the two assets. Um, and you can set it to a contract that uses interchain queries to constantly be sort of resetting the peg price uh, based off of the current rate. So um, I know the Stride team is working on this like right now. Um, I'm not sure if the Quicksilver team is doing something similar or not, but 
I know the stride team is, and I, th- I believe the persistence team is as well. So, yeah, I think this is probably the right strategy. Okay, awesome. Thanks. And so I guess anything that stride would implement would be something that any other liquid staking protocol could a- adopt for the pool type as well. Yep. Cool. Uh, do we have any other questions from the crowd? All right. I think uh, this is a good time to end it today. Thanks, everyone, for hopping in. It's been nice hour and 20 minutes um really exciting doing these things with uh you know external projects and stay tuned because we're going to try and do some more of these yeah i'd be happy to join every week uh, juno's been very supportive white whale's been great astroport's been great we've got a ton of interest so happy to do regular amas awesome awesome all right everyone uh we're gonna end that here thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was osmosis updates from the lab Exploring Ecosystems of Alash. Recorded on Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Oh shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pecka heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two